Good morning, dear Sangha. Uh, today is uh, May the 9th in the year 2008, and we are in uh, Hanoi for our retreat engaged Buddhism in the 21st uh, century. In 1964, I was um, I was uh, teaching in uh, Columbia University, New York. Uh, my colleagues in Vietnam uh, summoned me back to Vietnam in order to help. And uh, one of the things I try to do is to set up uh, a school uh, to train uh, young social workers in order to send them to the countryside, helping the people who suffer because of poverty, social uh, injustice, uh, war, and so on. The war was going on. Later on, we help uh, setting up uh, the Van Hain Buddhist uh, University in Saigon. This is a part of uh, engaged Buddhism. Uh, you have compassion in your heart. And when you have compassion and loving kindness in your heart, they want to express themselves in action. Love in action. Compassion in action. So the School of Youth for Social Service is a form of uh, expression of love and compassion. So many young people, including young monks and nuns, uh, sign up for the training. And we uh, found it in Phu uh, Hoa, in the vicinity of Saigon. Um, a place where we uh, we can train uh, young people to go out and uh, to do the work of helping uh, people in the countryside. We did not want uh, our work to be uh, sponsored by uh, political uh, parties. We did not want to be involved in the, the war. So we did not want to receive any money from the government, either by of the South uh, or the North. And uh, we rely only on the grassroots uh, in order to uh, function as uh, a movement of social service uh, inspired by the idea of compassion, understanding, and loving kindness. I remember in 1964, we organized our students into teams of three people, and we went visiting every house, from house to house, like uh, the monks go begging uh, 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 for food in every morning. And we come and ask for uh, uh, to talk with uh, uh, the people in the house about our intention to organize a, a school of youth for social service, training uh, young people going out to help uh, 
with uh, uh, the aspects of uh, economics, um, education, health, uh, and organization. organization. We had studied um, uh, the kibbutz. We had studied uh, the, um, the uh, Philippine um, rural reconstruction movement. We want to learn from other uh, uh, countries, and we adopted the nonviolent approach of uh, um, rural development and uh, bringing uh, help and support to those who are so poor, who are victims of uh, ignorance, um, uh, sickness, uh, poverty, uh, social injustice, and war. And uh, I remember uh, our students uh, learned to build their classroom, uh, their dormitories by themselves. We were making bricks we are making uh, blocks of uh, cement in order to build our own uh, houses, our own uh, living quarters, our school. We dig our own well and so on. And it's very joyful. Uh, in fact, uh, there's so many young people who wanted to come and serve, but uh, we only we could only accept 300 of them in the beginning. Later on, the number of uh, social workers uh, 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 grew into nearly 10,000 people. And uh, the social workers, uh, they have uh, developed a kind of um, uh, doctrine, a kind of uh, um, theology of engaged Buddhism. Ng uh, was uh, a social worker I remember, and he was uh, specialized on helping farmers uh, in order to protect um, um, uh, the domestic uh, animals raised for 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 food, and uh, he was um, trying to help uh, uh, farmers as how to not to. Uh, let the chicken, the pigs uh, die because of diseases. And he was uh, working, he was sent to uh, uh, several villages in order to advise uh, the farmers in order to to protect their livestock and so on. And he was asked a question, you young men, young women, you work so well, how much uh, salary do you uh, get from the government? And the peasants asked him. In fact, he did not have any salary. He was a social worker uh, of the School of Youth for Social Service. He was a volunteer. Uh, The School of Youth for Social Service uh, gave him enough in order to to have uh, food uh, uh, and so on. So he said, no, I am not working for the government. I am uh, I'm practicing uh, punya. Punya means merit. That is uh, that is a, a, a popular term 
uh, in Vietnamese Buddhism. You go to the temple and you do things in order to accumulate merits. It's a kind of bank account that you save for the future. If you do so many good things and then that is your invisible bank account, in the future you will profit from that. This is a very strong belief in Buddhist countries. You say something good, you do something good, and then these things are never lost. They are for you forever. And you and your children go profit from that kind of good karma, good action. A kind of uh, uh, bank account uh, for the future, the punya, punya. And the lady said, "Well, usually uh, do punya only in the temple." Wow. And he said, "Now people suffer so much in the in society in the villages. The Buddha, even the Buddha, has to come here in order to help. So we follow the Buddha to the uh, to the village in order to perform to to." To, to practice uh, punya. So that is a very easy kind of uh, theology. That's a very kind of doctrine on engaged Buddhism uh, made up by our social workers. We are just practicing punya, merits. And since uh, the Buddha uh, does not stay in the temple anymore because he saw so much suffering out here, so he, he has gone out and we follow him out here in order to practice punya also. This is uh, totally understandable for uh, the peasants in the countryside. In many places where we went, uh, it's a very difficult situation to be because uh, during the day, uh, the village was controlled by the anti-communist. And during the night, uh, the place was controlled by the communist. And that is why it's so difficult. Uh, we, we manage in order to not to align ourselves with one uh, uh, warring party. And that is very difficult. Uh, the Buddhist uh, right view is uh, to embrace both sides as your brothers and sisters. And you don't want to align with one side and another to oppose the other side. Uh, your practice is reconciliation and peace. And in a situation of fire and blood, like uh, uh, the situation of war in Vietnam, it's very difficult for you to, to, to stick to that kind of uh, insight and uh, practice. And you have lost many social workers harassed by one side or by the other side. And we have lost many of our social workers their life just because we try not to, to take side. And if you go to the Pháp Văn Temple, Damaklao Temple in Ho Chi Minh City to visit, you see a number of graves uh, built for these uh, social workers who lost their life uh, in action of their, because of their commitment to uh, non-violent uh, uh, social service. We know that if you don't have a strong spiritual uh, uh, 
dimension into your life as a, a social worker, and then you lose um, yourself very soon. You will burn out. Uh, you will be divided among yourself, and that is why the order of intervening is behind you, was behind you as uh, a support. Every social worker has to come home to the headquarters in order to attend a day of mindfulness. Uh, learning how to uh, how to master their emotion, their fear. Um, learning how to breathe, uh, to stay themselves in difficult situations. So the spiritual uh, practice uh, was very crucial to uh, social service. Um, at that time, there was only six uh, members of uh, the order of interbeing. Uh, three uh, brothers and three sisters. And Sister Chung Hong, our sister Chung Hong is one of the three first sisters of the order of interbeing. I remember the first ordination of the, the six members of OI. I myself offer them a session of uh, deep relaxation. They had worked so hard, and that is that was the day of their ordination. And uh, I advised them to sit uh, on a high chair with their uh, feet uh, pending, and I um, lead them to uh, practice deep breathing and imagining that they are sitting on uh, the bank of uh, a creek and uh, their feet were uh, touching the cool water uh, in the creek. Uh, We have one hour before the ceremony of ordination. So the session of um, deep relaxation uh, is to help them to recover themselves uh, in order to be fully prepared for receiving the 14 uh, mindfulness trainings. I also uh, offer them, each of them, uh, a lamp, a um, table a lamp for their room, because each uh, um, was uh, entitled to have uh, a room. Uh, a bed, a uh, table to work, and a lamp. Uh, and uh, I wrote um, with Chinese uh, uh, characters on the lampshade uh, for six uh, members of the for six members of the uh, order of interbeing, like Tri uh, Tuệ Đăng, the lamp of uh, wisdom, Mang Nguyệt Đăng, the lamp of full moon, and so on. In 1966, I got a letter from Cornell University in Ithaca, New York, to come for a series of lectures. And that was arranged by the Fellowship of Reconciliation in New York for me to get out of the country and to call for a cessation of hostilities in Vietnam. The purpose is to come and call for help and not just to give a series of lectures 
on the situation of Southeast Asia. So after after the series of lectures in Cornell, uh, I toured the country, North America, uh, to speak about the war in Vietnam, the real the real situation of the war in Vietnam, how people suffer, and how people want to stop the war. And uh, I offer sessions of uh, poetry reading. I offer uh, Dharma talks. I offer talks on the situation of the war in Vietnam. I met with uh, intellectuals, uh, students, uh, humanist leaders, uh, uh, religious leaders, and uh, I gave them the kind of information that were not available to them. And uh, we toured the country uh, with the support of the Fellowship of Reconciliation uh, in order to uh, bring uh, information about the true situation in Vietnam. And in Washington, D.C., we organized uh, a press conference uh, where I called for the cessation of uh, the bombing of the North. Uh, the coming into a peace conference uh, in order to end the war in Vietnam. And because of that, uh, I was not allowed to go home because I did dare to speak out for peace. The government of South Vietnam, the anti-communist government, uh, did not allow me to go home. And during that time, uh, the war was intensified. And Sister Nhật Chi Mai, Phan Thi Mai, who was one of the six uh, first members of uh, the Order of the Bin, she immolated herself for, to call for peace. And all of us did not know of her attention, intention. Uh, sister Nhật Chi Mai was the eldest, eldest sister of the tree, and she prepared for her action alone. No, no one knew about that. And one uh, early morning, she came to the Tử Nghiêm Temple and Nunnery, and she set up the statue of Quan uh, Yin and uh, uh, the Virgin Mary in front of her. She uh, left behind a letter for. Uh, the leader, the president of North Vietnam, South Vietnam, the president of America. And she said that I die in order to draw your attention to the fact that you don't want this war. You want to end this war. You don't want this killing uh, of brothers by brothers. And uh, she left many poems she wrote. Uh, in Vietnam, uh, at that time, you are forbidden to speak about peace and reconciliation because uh, the official language is to fight to the, uh, to the end, to get liberation and peace. And uh, a few days ago, I spoke about uh, 
my book, Lotus in the Sea of Fire, uh, published by Hugh and Wang. And there was an underground uh, edition in Vietnam, and many of our friends, because they circulated the books, they were put in prison, including our sister Chang Kong. Before she died, Sister Nhatjimai wrote to me a letter. I still keep that letter. She said, Thay, please don't worry. We shall have peace. I am offering myself uh, uh, as an element of that peace. Uh, I believe that we will have peace soon. A person who is dying worries that the other person will worry too much. And I learned of the self-immolation through, a, through the New York Times. Uh, the New York, York Times that day uh, printed an article about that, and there is the image of Sister Chiang Kong holding the letters uh, left behind by Sister Nhat Chi Mai. Not much later, I learned that uh, five uh, members of the School of Youth for Social Service were murdered on the bank of the Saigon River because the anti-communists wanted uh, to to suppress us. It's very difficult because uh, since you do not want to sign up with one side, you are not protected by any side. If you align with one side, at least you are protected by one side. And if you want to be independent, you want to be non-aligned, and then you'll be suppressed by both sides. And uh, we were suspected to be communist by the anti-communist. And we were suspected as anti-communist by the communist. It's a very difficult situation. But if you want to hold on to the line of compassion, uh, brotherhood, sisterhood, non-discrimination, you have to stick to that uh, line of right thinking and right action. So the School of Youth for Social Service, although uh, having a lot of difficulty, but we were able to do a lot of, of woodwork. We established uh, pilot villages and proved that it is possible for the farmers, the peasants, to stand up by themselves and not wait for the government to help and uh, improve their own situation in matter of uh, health, matter of uh, education, in matter of uh, economics, uh, improving the economic conditions and so on. And then when the war became uh, very intense, uh, we set up uh, uh, refugee camps. We uh, we, uh, we, uh, create uh, we, we work for the resettlement of uh, refugees. We sponsored uh, thousands and thousands of orphans created by the war. Uh, that is part of uh, Engaged Buddhism. 
And always remember that if you don't uh, maintain your practice, you will give up because of despair, of uh, fear, and so on. In Tarlok, very close to the militarized zone, we build up, we have built up a village, Tarlok. We send social workers up there and we help the peasants rebuild uh, the village because the village had been bombed. And after we have rebuilt uh, the village, the village was bombed again for the second time. And in order not to not to allow despair to overcome, we decided to rebuild uh, the village. I was not in the country anymore. I was in exile, but uh, I was trying to help from the outside, the School of Youth for Social Service. We tried to raise funds to help. And there are uh, religious humanitarian organizations in Europe, in America, uh, helping us. And we rebuilt the Tarok village, and it was bombed again for the third time, and the fourth time. And it was me, who is in Paris, who suggested that we, we should rebuild the place, because uh, we should not allow despair to overcome, because despair is the worst thing that can happen to a human being. I remember the young people uh, come to me and ask this question, Thay, do you think that the war will end soon? It's a very difficult question. Because you, don't, you yourself, you don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. You cannot say that uh, the war will end soon. There is no symptom telling you that the war will end soon. It went on and on and on and on. So with a question like that, you have to breathe in and out many times before you can offer an answer. So I breathe in and out several times, and then calmly I said, my dear friends, they are all young people, very dedicated. I said, dear friends, the Buddha said that everything is impermanent, including the war. So the war should end one day. What is important is that are we doing something in order to help end the war? Do something. And since we are able to do something, we, are, we will not become victims of despair. And that is uh, the teaching I, I gave to the young people. And during the many decades I was in exile, uh, we continued to uh, work for peace and reconciliation in the country. Even my, um, my books were, had to be uh, printed underground in Vietnam. I always send manuscript home. And although these books are published uh, with a, a, a pseudonym, uh, uh, my friends in Vietnam continue to learn to uh, 
to have uh, that kind of spiritual food that they so need. And uh, after we set up Plum Village in France, we offer retreats of uh, many kinds. We offer retreats for war veterans. We offer interfaith uh, retreats. We offer retreats for environmentalists. We offer retreats for um, for um, health health uh, health professionals. We offer retreat for businessmen. We, we even offer retreat for policemen, uh, uh, holy good uh, actors and actresses. Uh, and it's, it's very clear that Buddhism can be offered to any walk of society. And uh, there are many friends of ours uh, who are able to go to prison uh, in order to set up the practice in prison. And we send so many uh, books uh, into prison. And uh, now, in many countries like America, England, uh, people um, are practicing sitting meditation, uh, mindful uh, breathing, uh, uh, mindful walking. And uh, we receive uh, from time to time uh, letters from inmates of uh, prisons. And I remember there was one uh, Amaran prisoner who said that uh, he happened to read, uh, to have uh, uh, obtained the book uh, Stepping into Freedom. That is a manual for novice monks. And he tried to apply all the teaching and book, and he lived like a monk, novice monk uh, in prison. And he said, that, well, I transform my life. I am happy in prison. I am a real monk in prison. The other day we spoke about uh, the practice of releasing the tension in the body, uh, holding uh, the emotion in order to uh, get a relief, and practicing looking deeply into uh, the roots of our emotions and feelings in order to get the insight. And by that insight we can get liberated from the emotions of despair of anger and so on. And uh, with the practice of the five uh, mindfulness trainings, the practice of the 14 mindfulness trainings, uh, you cultivate uh, that kind of uh, insight, that kind of compassion that will help heal yourself and heal your family. And if uh, parents and teachers master the practice, they can help uh, their children, uh, their students uh, to, to release the tension, uh, to embrace their fear, their anger, their despair. And uh, this is a true uh, engaged Buddhism. We have uh, already uh, organized many retreats for school teachers in uh, many countries, including uh, Germany. And school teachers, if they are motivated by the desire to uh, practice and to help, 
they can be Dharma teachers in their own uh, uh, school, their own classroom, and helping um, uh, their students. There are many young people who do who have who do not have a chance in their family. They have not been able to learn love in their family. They have not received love in their family. So school teachers uh, may give them a second chance. The school can be a second family for for these uh, young people, and the school teachers can love them as uh, parent, like parents. And they should have enough time to sit with their students and listen to their suffering, and give advice as how to practice. And uh, these uh, young people can go home and even help their parents, like the way. Uh, young people came to our retreat and finally they went home and they helped their parents uh, 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 to transform. So engaged Buddhism is our business in every minute, in every uh, hour, and it is possible to bring Buddhism in a, in a non, uh, non-confessional, uh, uh, non-religious uh, form. It is absolutely possible to share Buddhism without uh, the mark, the appearance of a religion. You can practice Buddhism in a, in a, in a non-formal way. Uh, you don't use the language of Buddhism. You don't look Buddhist. You don't smell Buddhist. <laughs> and yet you are very Buddhist. Because the Buddha said, my practice is the practice of non-practice. In the teaching of the Buddha, uh, you can discover deep uh, psychology. And... Uh, we can put into the practice what we learn from the school of Buddhism called Vishnati uh, Matrata, uh, manifestation only of Vishnanavada, uh, uh, consciousness uh, only. We know that uh, we have the seeds of happiness, seeds of suffering in, in us. And the other people do have their seats also. And the practice of uh, true diligence is to handle the seats in us. Tư chánh cần, the four practice of diligence. And the practice uh, is about the seats and how to handle the seats in you. The first practice is... Uh, the good, the bad seeds in you, like the seed of despair, the seed of uh, jealousy, the seed of uh, anger, don't give them a chance. Let them sleep quietly down there, at the bottom of uh, your consciousness. Do not give them, not give the negative 
it a chance. Don't water them. Don't let the environment water them. So they have no chance to manifest. And they become naturally weaker and weaker. This is a very uh, smart. Whatever you read, whatever you see, whatever you, you hear, may water the seed of despair, anger, violence in you. So choose an environment where you are protected. And choose uh, companions and friends who know the practice. They will refrain from watering the seed of suffering, despair, anger in you. This is, this is an art. We have to reorganize our life. We should create an environment where the bad seeds in us will not be watered every day. We don't water them and we don't let them water them. You know that our consciousness, uh, as we have uh, seen the other day, has so many layers and the upper layers is a mind consciousness. Ethic, And that, that this part down here is store consciousness. Tang thức. Tang thức. And all the seeds are here. Store consciousness is made of all the seeds. And that is why it has the other name the totality of the seeds. Nhất thiết chủng thức. Sarva bijaka. Sarva means all, the totality. Bija means seeds. That is the name, the other name of uh, store consciousness. Store consciousness maintain all the seeds and store consciousness are the seeds themselves. The maintainer and the object of maintenance are the same. And there are negative seeds down here and it's wise to let them slip there. Don't give them a chance. So this is a the first practice of diligence. Usually when we, we, we think of diligence, we think of uh, intensive practice. We practice for seven days or 21 days, very intensive, and then we relax, we don't practice anymore. That is not. <laughs> and that is not diligence. Diligence is the continued practice of protecting oneself. And you should have a good environment, you should have... Uh, a good sangha in order to maintain the practice. So building a sangha in order to be supported, to maintain your practice is a very crucial for, for, for success. Today I'd like to introduce to you another consciousness that lay in the middle. Uh, it's, uh, its Sanskrit name is Manas. Matna. 
and I like uh, to translate by the word cogitation, uh, cogitation. Like uh, in cogito ecosum, cogitation, consciousness. This consciousness is sometimes called the lover, the lover. Because uh, it has the tendency to to stick to, to embrace the five scandals as uh, a self, as a separate self. Manas was born from a number of uh, unwholesome seeds. Ignorance about self, complexes of inferiority, of superiority, of equality. All these, uh, all these are the foundation of uh, manas. Sticking to store consciousness as a self, loving uh, love consciousness as a self. Everything else is not self. We know that uh, if we have the complex of inferiority, that is because of manas. If we have the complex of superiority, that is because of manas. And when we have the complex that I am equal to him, to her, that complex of equality is also manas. According to the Buddha, uh, self is uh, an illusion. Uh, the true nature of reality is no self. When you look at a flower, you see a flower is full of the cosmos. The sunshine You see the sunshine in the flower. Because we know that without sunshine, no flower can grow. We see a cloud in a flower. Without a cloud, there will be no rain and no flower can grow. The seed, the soil, the rain, everything, many, many things in the cosmos have come together and helped this flower to manifest, manifestation only. And this, uh, this flower is full of the cosmos. Everything is in it, including your consciousness, is in it. Because this is the object of your perception. And perception is always perception of something. To perceive means to perceive something. There cannot be the perceiver without the object of perception. <clears throat> the perceiver and the perceived, they manifest at the same time. <clears throat> like when we say eating. Eating is always eating something. There cannot be an eater without 
something that is being eaten. So consciousness is always consciousness of something. If you are a phenomenologist, you are uh, uh, used to that kind of expression. So the flower, this flower is full of the cosmos. It contains the whole cosmos. I am large, I contain the multitude. That's what the flower is saying. <clears throat> but in the teaching of the Buddha, sometimes we call, we say that this flower is empty, which is the opposite of the truth. Because the, the flower is full of everything in the cosmos. But why the Bodhisattva Avalokita say that everything is empty? And you want to ask the Bodhisattva, Mr. Bodhisattva, you say that the flower is empty. I see. I, I think that it is full. Empty of what? To to be full of the of the cosmos, but empty of what? And the Bodhisattva will smile and said, "It is of course full of the cosmos, but it is empty of a separate existence." of a separate self. A flower is made only of non-flowers, elements. And you can mention, you can list the the non-flower elements. Without these non-flower elements, the flower cannot be there. The flower cannot be by itself alone without non-flower elements. So the flower is full of with cosmos, but empty of a separate existence. And so to be full of uh, cosmos and to be empty of a separate self are just the same thing. To be full means to be empty. You don't have a separate self. How a a flower could exist without the non-flower elements? So the nature of the flower is empty because of emptiness, a flower is possible. That is a very famous declaration made by Nagarjuna. Thanks to emptiness, everything is possible. But manas ignore that. Manas believe that there is a self. And that is why we can say that manas is born from the delusion represented by a number of uh, uh, unwholesome seeds down there. You suffer because you believe that you have a self. If you know that you are in him, he is in you. And then you say that I am you and you are me. And you don't have to compare. And if you don't compare, you don't have any complex of inferiority. You don't have any complex of superiority. And you don't have even the complex of equality because you don't compare. Because you are it. You are him, you are her. You are the cosmos. 
everything into ease. The flower is a flower, but it is also the sunshine. The flower is the flower, but she is also the cloud. The flower is a flower, but she is also the soil. So everything into ease, and that is the truth of interbeing. To be means to interbe. And the true meaning of to be is to interbe. But uh, in the dictionary, you have not found the word interbe, which is a, which is a very important uh, word. Interbeing. You cannot be by yourself. A flower cannot be by herself alone. She has to interbe with the cosmos. My friend, you cannot be by yourself alone. You have to interbe with all of us, with the cosmos. And manas, ignore that. And that is why you have to handle manas. Manas is always seeking pleasure, day and night. The tendency of seeking pleasure is in manas. And manas ignore the danger of pleasure, of pleasure seeking. And that is why we need meditation effectuated by mind consciousness in order to brighten the seeds of wisdom down here, in order to correct manas, to transform manas. There is uh, a wisdom called the wisdom of non-discrimination. Those of us who have uh, meditated well enough, we have that wisdom. It's like my two hands. They don't practice, but they have the wisdom of um, non-discrimination. Nirvikanpa jnana. Non-discrimination. Wisdom. The wisdom of non-discrimination. My right hand wrote most of the poems. I wrote all my poems with my right hand. Except one. That day I did not have uh, a pen. So I, um, there was a, a typewriter of someone. So I put an old envelope into it. And that is the first, the only time I wrote a poem, I write a poem with uh, two hands. And my hand can do things like uh, inviting the bell, uh, doing calligraphy and so on. But my, my right hand is not victim of any complex. And she doesn't have the complex of superiority over my left hand. <laughs> my right hand never say, you left hand, you are good for nothing. <laughs> I do everything by myself. You are lazy. You are not useful. And so on. And it's wonderful to look at your my left hand. She does not suffer at all. She does not have the, the complex of inferiority. That is why she is perfectly happy. <laughs> so the wisdom of non-discrimination is a reality and not just a wishful 
uh, thinking uh, subject. One day, uh, I was trying to uh, to 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 hang a, a picture on the wall, and my left hand was holding a nail, my right hand a hammer, and I was not very mindful that day. <laughs> so instead of pounding on the nail, I pound on this finger. So painful. Right away, my right hand put the hammer down and took my left hand with a lot of compassion and care and took good care of that. Like it took care of itself. It never say, you left hand. Uh, I am I am doing you a, a favor. Uh, you have to remember that. <laughs> and my left hand uh, did not blame, did not say, you right hand, you have done injustice to me. <laughs> I want justice. Give me that hammer. No, that is not the thinking of my right, uh, left hand, because my left hand is full of wisdom of non-discrimination. So the harmony between the two hands are perfect, and they don't think in ter- of each other in terms of superiority, inferiority, and even equality, because I am you and you are I. We belong to the same reality. And manas ignore that. Manas always seek, is always seeking pleasure. Manas ignore the danger of pleasure she seeking. So you have to tell manas. Manas uh, is always trying to run away from suffering, painful feeling. Manas ignore the goodness of suffering. Suffering is good sometimes. You can learn a lot from suffering. And manas just try to run away from suffering. And she ignore the goodness of suffering. If you have learned to be compassionate, to be understanding because you have suffered, you need a dose of suffering in order to grow. People who have not suffered, they have no sense in order to cultivate their understanding, their compassion. And it's not good to send our children to a place where there is no suffering. There, they have no chance to learn, to understand, and to love. But the kingdom of God is not a place where there is no suffering. Because if so, people don't know what is understanding and compassion. And that is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a place where there is great understanding and great compassion. And in order to have these things, you have to learn, you have to cultivate. And without the suffering, how can you cultivate compassion and understanding? It's like uh, the mud. Without the mud, you cannot grow lotus. In Plum Village, if you go, uh, you come and visit us in summer, 
you see lotus buds and you see that uh, lotus always grow on mud. No mud, no lotus. So no suffering, no compassion, no understanding. So my definition of uh, the kingdom of God is a place that is where there is great understanding, great compassion. And therefore, there must be suffering. There must be the mud in under lotus to grow. And we should not be afraid of suffering. Because uh, if uh, we practice, we can learn a lot of suffering. We grow up just because we have suffered. Every one of us needs a dose of suffering in order to grow. That is interbeing. Without the mud, there is no lotus. And uh, lotus and mud, they inter-are. Suffering and, and compassion, they inter-are also. So when your, your, your wisdom of non-discrimination grows, and then manas become very thin and thin and thin, and and the wisdom of non-discrimination, the wisdom of uh, of uh, sim uh, simness will replace manas when we get uh, enlightened, we get uh, transformed. So. Going back to the four practices of true diligence, we know that the first practice is let us not give the negative seeds a chance down here. Because if uh, we give uh, the negative seeds a chance, they will manifest on the level of mind consciousness. They will strengthen manas. And each of us should write down uh, the kind of practice we need in order to to make sure that this uh, is our daily practice. When we think, our thinking might water this, the negative seeds. So the practice of right thinking will avoid us, will help us not to water the bad seeds in us. When we read a newspaper, when we read a book, what we read in the book and newspaper can water the negative seeds. So our practice of mindful consumption is also the practice of uh, self-protection uh, and the protection of uh, our beloved one. The second practice of uh, true visions is when it happens that a negative seed manifests up there, try to help that seed to go back to the, its original place as quickly as possible. Help uh, return 
the mental formation, the negative mental formation. to its uh, original place. It means at the bottom of uh, store consciousness. Suppose the seed of uh, despair come up here. When it is down there it is called a seed, bija. When it is up here, it is a mental formation, a citta samskara. And if we allow this mental formation to stay too long in the level of mind consciousness, it will cause damage. Thought consciousness is like the basement of our house, and mind consciousness is like the living room. And when one negative seed manifests, the second practice is to help that go back as soon as possible. And the Buddha proposed the practice of uh, changing back, changing back. Back is a piece of wood that link the two blocks of wood together. The carpenter uses a pack in order to keep the two blocks of wood together. But if the pack is not a good one, you can change the pack. You can use, you can take a good solid new pack. You put up the right place and with a hammer. You drive the pack into it and you take out the old pack. So if a mental formation manifests uh, and cause and is causing damage to you, then you should practice mindful breathing in order to invite another mental formation to come up to replace this one. Changing pack is the way we change our CD. If the CD of music does not please you, and then why do you have to listen? You push a button, you stop, and you change the CD. So in our time, we should use the word, uh, the practice of changing CD in honor, <laughs> instead of changing pack, changing channel. Now with a telecommand, you can change uh, the channels very quickly. And practitioners should be able to change their mental formation as quickly as they change the channels of their televisions. When we come to a retreat like this, we have a lot of chance that our good seats are water every day. When you see a brother, a sister walking mindfully, freely, relaxingly with joy, that image water the seed of happiness, of peace, of mindfulness in us. So creating an environment where the good seeds in you can be watered every day is extremely important. Think of your children. 
that school now is not very safe, are not very safe. And uh, where they go in order to uh, to entertain themselves are not very safe places. So the practice consists of uh, two aspects. The first of all, create a kind of environment where the bed seats are not watered for us and for our children. The second aspect is it, if it happened that a bed seat is water, you can manage to change it quickly. Go back to your breathing. Recognize that this CD is not what you would like to listen and you change another CD that you like. So, uh, listen to a Dharma talk, uh, practicing a chant, uh, thinking of uh, doing something to help uh, the people who are uh, in difficulties. All these things are uh, already there. You should you only need to pick up one of these wonderful things and you change the mental formation that is in you. When you have a depression, it is possible to change your depression. Although it is more difficult because depression is the outcome of a process of consumption. The Buddha said, Nothing can survive without food. Your love cannot survive if you don't feed your love. Your hate, your despair also. If you don't feed them, they will die. Your depression also. You have been feeding your depression by the way you live, by the way you consume. You must have consumed you must have lived in such a way that makes the depression possible today. So look deeply into your depression and identify the source of food, the source of nutriment you have used to nourish them, and just cut off that source of nutrients. And in a week or two, your depression will die. The Buddha said this, What has come to be? namely your suffering, your depression. What has come to be? If you look deeply into it, and if you can discover the source of nutriment that has been used to nourish it, and then you are already on the path of emancipation. So the second noble truth is conceived in terms of uh, food, in terms of nutriment. You have used that food, you have used that nutriment to nourish your suffering, your fear, your depression. And therefore, mindful breathing, focusing on the nature of your depression, and you identify the way of life, the way of consumption that you have followed in the last six months, and you know where the depression has come. You have listened to them, you have paid attention to them too much, you have allowed these negative things to come and water the negative seed in you, and that is why the depression has become a reality. And that is why in order to protect yourself, 
not to allow things like despair and depression to come. In every moment, we need to be aware of what is going on in terms of feelings and perceptions and emotions. If it is an unwholesome thing, and then we should right away change the pack, change the CD. And you have many CDs in reserve in order to to, 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 to use in order to change the CD that is uh, playing just now. And you can help the other person. That person may be caught in a feeling, in a perception, in a thinking that is not healthy for him or for her. You say, a penny for your thought, a penny for your feelings. You know what is going on. You want to know what is going on with your beloved one. And she will tell you, and you, with some skillfulness, you bring him, you bring her out of that situation very quickly. You tell him a story, uh, you remind him of something wholesome, happy, and then you help change his CD. You help change her CD. That can be done quickly. You practice for yourself, and you help the other person change the emotion, the feelings, the perceptions they are having so that they, they can get out easily. If you, are, if you let uh, him or her uh, caught in that a long time, for a long time, that will do, will do damage to him or to her. So inquire about him, inquire about her, inquire about the mental formation that is uh, um, dominating that person and try to help him out of that. And you can be helped by your co-practitioners also. Your co-practitioners may be your partner, uh, your daughter, your son, uh, your husband, your wife. So we practice together and we support each other in the practice. So when a negative seed manifests itself in mind consciousness, our mindfulness should be invited up to recognize them as unwholesome. We don't need to fight to suppress. We need only to change, to change the city, non-violence. And you are very skillful practitioner if you can change your city, your mental formation quickly. CD, mental formation. Send your MF. (laughs) (laughs) And then now we go to the third uh, practice of two delusions. Give the positive Seeds. You know that you have uh, the seed of uh, faith, the seed of joy, the seed of compassion, the seed of forgiveness. They are very wholesome. And if they manifest in you, you are a happy person and you can make people around you happy. And that is why focus your attention on these 
wholesome positive seeds and do something to touch them, to water them. And this is an art also. We need to practice watering the good seeds in us. We need to practice helping to water the wholesome seeds in the other person. And that is uh, the third uh, practice of true diligence. Every day, if uh, an opportunity presents itself to water the good seed in you, do it. If an opportunity presents itself to water the good seed in him or in her, do it right away. That is the practice of happiness. When the seed of compassion, of forgiveness, of uh, joy manifests as a mental formation, you are happy. You make people around you happy. And you know that you have these seeds in you. You have a stock of reserve of happiness in you. And uh, you you may have uh, covered them up with many layers of worries, and fear of anger, but are still there. So try to break through to them, touch them, and have them manifest, give them a chance. That is the third aspect of the practice of true diligence. And this is the what the Buddha recommends us. He's so compassionate. And the fourth practice of true diligence is any wholesome mental formation that has manifested, keep it as long as possible on the level of your of your mind consciousness. It's like a, a very dear friend of you, of yours, just come and visit you and bring you a lot of joy. Why don't keep him? Why don't keep her with you uh, for a few more days? So if. Uh, uh, if uh, if a wholesome mental formation is touched, is water, and manifests itself as uh, uh, the energy of joy, of peace, of happiness, why replace them? Let them be there and ask them to stay as long as possible. In the gospel, it is said, que la joie demeure, or may the joy uh, continue, remain. That is the practice of true religions. If you find the retreat pleasant, that walking meditation uh, brings you relaxation, uh, touching the wonders of life, and you are determined to continue. Because it continues to nourish you, to transform you, continue to nourish you and transform your beloved one. So the wholesome thing, when they manifest, we try to keep them, maintain them alive. And when they are alive up here, they will strengthen at the base, strengthening at the base. If the negative seed manifests up here, and if you allow them to stay too long here, and then at the base, they will be strengthened. So it's very wise of you 
to help it to go back as soon as possible. The same thing is true with the wholesome seed. If a wholesome seed is water and manifests up here, and then if you can maintain it as long as possible, that is the time for the seed to grow strong down there. And that is a, a Buddhist psychology, deep psychology. And this uh, holy, uh, that, that can be entirely applied to our daily life. The four uh, practice of uh, true diligence. Tomorrow we shall have a session of uh, questions and answers. And you are uh, invited to uh, ask your questions. And the best questions are the questions that have to do with our suffering, our happiness, our practice, our difficulties also. And we know that a good question can benefit so many people.